Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Abbott, Governor of Texas versus Perez. Appeal from the United States District Court for the Western District of Texas. Argued April 24, 2018. Decided June 25, 2018. In 2011, the Texas legislature adopted a new congressional districting plan for the new districting maps for the two houses of the state legislature to account for population growth revealed in the 2010 census. To do so, Texas had to comply with a complicated legal regime. The Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment forbids racial gerrymandering, that is, intentionally assigning citizens to a district on the basis of race without sufficient justification. Shaw versus Reno. But other legal requirements tend to require that state legislatures consider race in drawing districts. Like all states, Texas is subject to Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, VRA, which is violated when a state districting plan provides less opportunity for racial minorities to elect representatives of their choice. League of United Latin American Citizens versus Perry. And at the time, Texas was also subject to Section 5, which barred it from making any districting changes unless it could prove that they did not result in re retrogression with respect to the ability of racial minorities to elect the candidate of their choice. Alabama Legislative Black Caucus versus Alabama. In an effort to harmonize these conflicting demands, the court has assumed that compliance with the VRA is a compelling state interest for 14th Amendment purposes. Bethune Hill versus Virginia State Board of Elections. And a state's consideration of race in making a districting decision is narrowly tailored if the state has good reasons for believing that its decision is necessary in order to comply with the VRA. Cooper versus Harris. The Texas legislature 2011 plans were immediately tied up in litigation and never used. The case was assigned to a three-judge court, Texas court. Texas also submitted the plans for preclearance to the district court for the District of Columbia. The Texas court drew upon interim plans for the state's rapidly approaching primaries, giving no deference to the legislature's plans. Texas challenged the court-ordered plans in this court which reversed and remanded with instructions for Texas court to start with the Texas legislature's 2011 plans, but to make adjustments as required by the Constitution and the VRA. The Texas court then adopted a new interim plan after the D.C. court denied preclearance of the 2011 plans. Texas used the Texas court's interim plans for the 2012 elections. In 2013, the legislature repealed the 2011 plans and enacted the Texas's court's plans with minor modifications. After Shelby County versus Holder was decided, Texas no longer covered... Uh, it reads incorrectly. Texas was no longer covered by Section 5, obtained a vacator of the D.C. court's preclearance order, but the Texas court did not dismiss... The case against the 2011 plans as moot. Instead, it allowed the plaintiffs to amend their complaint to challenge the 2013 plans 
and held that their challenges to the 2011 plans were live. Texas conducted its 2014 and 2016 elections under the 2013 plans. In 2017, the Texas court found defects in several of the districts in the 2011 federal congressional and state house plans. The state senate plan is not at issue here. Subsequently, it also invalidated multiple congressional and House districts in the 2013 plans, holding that the legislature failed to cure the taint of discriminatory intent allegedly harbored by the 2011 legislature. And the court relied on that finding to invalidate several challenged 2013 districts. The court also held that three districts, CD27, HD32, and HD34, were invalid under Section 2 of the VRA because they had the effect of depriving Latinos of the equal opportunity to elect their candidates of choice. And it found that HD 90 was a racial gerrymander based on challenges made by the 2013 legislature. It gave the state attorney general three days to tell the court whether the legislature would remedy the violations, and if the legislature did not intend to adopt new plans, the court would hold remedial hearings. The Supreme Court held, this court has jurisdiction to review the orders at issue. The Texas court's orders fall within 28 U.S.C. 1253, which gives the court jurisdiction to hear an appeal from an order of a three-judge district court granting or denying an interlocutory or permanent injunction. The Texas court did not call its orders injunctions, but where an order has the practical effect of granting or denying an injunction, it should be treated as such for purposes of appellate jurisdiction. Carson versus American Brands Incorporated. The text of the orders and the context in which they were issued make it clear that they qualify as interlocutory injunctions under 1253. The orders were unequivocal that the current legislative plans violate Section 2 and the 14th Amendment, and that these violations must be remedied. And the short time frame the Attorney General was given to act is a strong evidence that the court did not intend to allow the elections to go ahead under the plans it had just condemned. The unmistakable import of these actions is that the court intended to have new plans ready for use in this year's elections. Texas also had reason to fear that it had tried to conduct elections under those plans. Texas also had reason to fear that if it tried to conduct elections under those plans, the court would infer an evil motive and perhaps subject the state to the structures of preclearance under Section 3C of the VRA. These cases differ from Gunn v. University uh, Commission to end war in Vietnam, where the order did not have the same practical effect as an injunction. Nor does it matter that the remedy is not yet known. The issue here is whether this year's elections can be held under the plans enacted by the legislature, not whether any particular remedies should ultimately be ordered if it is determined that the current plans are flawed. Section 1253 must be strictly but sensibly construed, and here the district court's orders, for all intents and purposes, constituted injunctions. Thus, Section 1253 provides jurisdiction. The Texas court erred in requiring the state to show that the 2013 legislature purged the taint that the court attributed to the defunct and never used plans enacted by a prior legislature in 2011. 
Whenever a challenger claims that the state law was enacted with discriminatory intent, the burden of proof lies on the challenger, not the state. Reno versus Bosser Parish School Board. In redistricting cases, the good faith of the state legislature must be presumed. Miller versus Johnson. The allocation of the burden of proof and the presumption of legislative good faith are not changed by a finding of past discrimination, which is but one evidentiary source relevant to the question of intent. Arlington Heights versus Metropolitan Housing Development. Here, the 2011 plans were repealed and not reenacted by the 2013 legislature nor did it use criteria that arguably carried forward the effects of the 2011 legislature's discriminatory intent. Instead, it enacted with only small changes the Texas court plans developed pursuant to this court's instructions. The Texas court contravened these basic burden-proof principles, referring to the need to cure earlier legislature's taint and concluding that the legislature had engaged in no deliberative process to do so, this fundamentally flawed approach must be reversed. Both the 2011 legislature's intent and the court's interim plans are relevant to the extent that they give rise to or tend to refute inferences about the 2013 legislature's intent, but they must be weighed together with other relevant direct and circumstantial evidence of the legislature's intent. But when this evidence is taken into account, the evidence in the record is plainly insufficient to prove that the 2013 legislature enacted in bad faith and engaged in intentional discrimination. Once the Texas court's intent finding is reversed, there remain only four districts that were invalidated on alternative grounds. The Texas court's holding as to the three districts in which it relied on Section 2's effects test are reversed, but its holding that House District 90 is a racial gerrymander is affirmed. To make out a Section 2 effects claim, a plaintiff must establish the three Gingles factors. One, a geographically compact minority population sufficient to constitute a majority in a single-member district. Two, political cohesion among the members of the minority group. And three, block voting by the majority to defeat the minority's preferred candidate. See Thornburg versus Gingles. A plaintiff who makes that showing must then provide prove that under the totality of the circumstances, the district lines dilute the votes of the members of the minority group. The Texas court held that CD 27 violates Section 2 because it has the effect of diluting the votes of the Nuces County Latino voters who the court concluded should have been included in a Latino Opportunity District rather than CD 27, which is not such a district. Plaintiffs, however, could not show that an additional Latino Opportunity District could be created in that part of Texas. The Texas court similarly erred in holding that House District 32 and House District 34, which make up the entirety of Nuces County, violate Section 2. The 2013 plan created two districts that lie wholly within the county. HD 34 is a Latino Opportunity District, but HD 32 is not. 
The court's findings show that these two districts do not violate Section 2. And it is hard to see how the ultimate Gingles vote dilution standard could be met if the alternative plan would not enhance the ability of minority voters to elect the candidates of their choice. House District 90 is an impermissible racial gerrymander. HD 90 was not copied from the Texas court's interim plans. Instead, the 2013 legislature substantially modified that district. In 2011, the legislature, responding to pressure from counsel to one of the plaintiff's groups in increased the district's Latino population in an effort to make it a Latino opportunity district. It also moved the city of Como, which is predominantly African American, out of the district. When Como residents and their Texas House representatives objected, the legislature never moved Como back. But that decreased the Latino population, so the legislature moved more Latinos into the district. Texas argues that its use of race as the predominant factor in HD90's design was permissible because it had good reasons to believe that this was necessary to satisfy Section 2, Bethune Hill. But it is the state's burden to prove narrow tailoring, and Texas did not do so on the record here. Decision... uh, 17-586 is supported, um, is reversed, uh, 624, number 17-626 is reversed in part and affirmed in part, and the cases are remanded. Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Kennedy, Thomas, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Thomas filed a concurring opinion in which Justice Gorsuch joined. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, and Kagan joined. Thank you for listening.